Hi, friends. I'm Chandra Sanchez. And I'm Misha Lazera. And you're listening to Bandwives. Here. <laughs> always too loud i think you're just right thank you yeah so we're just gonna kick this episode off with a visual of misha with a rainbow rainbow is not even just across her face but from every angle coming in from the windows <laughs> i didn't expect it i just start lifted up you know and i'm starting zoom and then there it is and i was confused you know and i'm kind of changing it and i thought oh what magic is this do you feel oh, magical absolutely i feel like it's a gift from the sun gods i don't know <laughs> it's pretty it's making me feel perfect autumn <laughs> your flannel is making me feel perfect autumn oh you mean my flannel of neglect i just <laughs> literally rolled out of bed and threw on to take the dog out this morning uh, flannel of neglect sounds like something from princess bride or <laughs> like <laughs> never ending story speaking of another costume idea i had this week was never ending story because we still have the foster dog who <gasps> looks very similar That's... to Falcor. Yeah, and I, I was looking, Googling ideas this morning, but we've actually landed on, brace yourself, a parking cone and traffic light that have changed from Harry Potter characters. He's actually Harry Potter, but Harry Potter as a parking cone. And I will be Malfoy as a traffic light. Amazing. It's like magic gone. They're like using yeah. their magic. I mean, this is where we are today, but there are still, what, 10 days? I mean, anything yeah. can happen. Anything That's can really happen. exciting. I hope that it's that, so we get to see it. Well, you'll see it anyway, because I have the costume, so I'm making him put it on at least yeah. for a photo op. Yeah. Yeah. How's your week? What are you juggling? By the time this comes out, I will be home from Vegas, but I'm planning a big day tomorrow. Adam and I have our flights are pretty far apart. Mine's in the morning, his is at night. Uh, it just works out that way. Um, and so I rented a little car on Turo. Have you ever used that app? Yeah. Yeah. And I'm going to go by myself to Zion National Park. That sounds incredible. So excited. I just like happened. And I was thinking, what can I do? Should I, there's a botanical garden at Bellagio, but I thought, oh, it might be like a 10, 15. I don't know how long it would be. And so I wanted to do something really meaningful. And so I just... That's just what happened. So hopefully it all works out. And... You have to send so many photos. Oh, you know I will. I'll yes. send so many. What about you? What's going on? Um, I'm still recovering a little bit from Comic-Con and that weekend of chaos, which was a success and amazing and fun. And we saw so many familiar faces. You know, I forget how much I love just socializing yeah. with people who love books. I, I feel like at signings, it's the most fun because you can well I'll preface that with if I'm signing alone if Claudio's signing with me then there's like a line you know a four-hour line and then they rush me and they're like you gotta get to the line with everybody not him the convention will be like we have to get this line off the floor you can't talk so long to people mm. and I don't like to be told what to do 
especially when it's about communicating to humans. No one puts Shawnee in a corner. Is that what you tell them? Except they will put us in a corner. If we take up the convention floor, they'll make us go down to the signing space next time. So, um, so we did that. Oh my God. I forgot to tell you. I found out way too late, but Brendan Fraser was there. (gasps) No, you could have watched him from afar. I tried. I went down to the place he was signing and just creeped around like yeah. waiting for him to come there. But there are all these signs about not doing that exact thing. I guess in my movie version of it, I was going to be standing there, mm-hmm. walking through with his security, mm-hmm. going to the signing. And he would stop and he would say to me, I can tell you're my biggest fan. <laughs> and I know all these people paid this money to meet me. But I can tell you didn't know this was an option and you would have done that. So I'm going to let you take a photo with me. Yes. And move on with my day. That's not what happened. I didn't see him and I'm devastated. You even tried your best to manifest it. You had your credentials too. So you were, you know, you're like, I'm not just randomly. It was really, really devastating. You know, I just felt so close. But I did, I did buy some really cool prints and uh, met a bunch of artists and artist alley. That's my favorite part is just going and looking at people's incredible talent. So. That's so cool. It was a good time. And then uh, my mom is here currently. Claudio's gone. He left yeah. a day before my babysitter left for three months. So it's been it's been an adjustment uh, period for all of us. Atlas is handling it really well. Yeah. Thank goodness your mom's there. That's probably helping. It is. It lot. is. That and going bowling every Wednesday <laughs> has been the only saving graces. Oh, and then I have a friend, a surprise friend coming to see me this weekend, last minute with her baby. So I'm really <gasps> excited about that. Then my friend's wedding is Monday, so it's just a, a lot. Our anniversary is on Sunday. Aw. Yeah. I'll just be staring longingly into space. <laughs> Scrolling through old pictures of yeah, him. Exactly. Yeah. Watching rom coms, crying. Yeah. So all in all, all in all, I'm feeling good. I mean, yeah. feeling grateful. We just had this talk on our last mini about the distance and how sometimes that can be positive. And I felt nostalgic and I've been so nice to him. I've just been so nice. <laughs> Feeling magnanimous. Yeah. So when is Adam home after this weekend? He's home now. Oh, yeah. Duh. He, last weekend, right? He came home? Yep. So he's got home last weekend. Today's Ace's birthday. And so he does oh, try to be home for the kids' birthdays. Happy birthday. Yeah. And so we're going to have dinner tonight. And then tomorrow we both leave for Vegas. And then he doesn't come home. I, I come home by myself. So then he'll be gone for a while. Awesome. The time's going pretty quick over here. So I hope time it is. feels like that for you, too. Oh, we got a frost. We got it's getting some cold weather, which is rare this early. So I'm really excited. I know. <laughs> do. Yeah. Halloween's always such a crapshoot. Yeah. Like you don't know if it's going to snow or it's going to be 90 degrees. Oh, I went to dinner last night at this incredible <gasps> natural wine and pasta restaurant in Puck Slope. Uh, your picture. It just, I mean, I looked amazing. It was divine. Every step of it. For some reason, there was not a lot of people there. It's usually so packed you can't get in at all because it's a small, intimate little space and they have a garden and it's just so beautiful. Um, And not only was there nobody there, but the owner was there uh, who's from Umbria and he's just this like lovely Italian man, made the most amazing recommendations. It was so special and such a great night. Highly recommend it. Um, I want to take you when you come here. Uh, the picture, just the whole thing, I I was thought that was really beautiful. So I want to go there. Christmas party. I can't wait to be up there for Christmas and to plan my outfits. 
<laughs> you know, if I'm being honest. I don't get to dress uh, for winter very often, so. Maybe while you're in Vegas, you could get some bedazzled <laughs> snow pants. <laughs> Except for I'm flying Spirit and Frontier, so I can't, like, buy anything because I can only bring my backpack. This has come full circle. <laughs> you know, discount airlines. So hopefully it'll be fine. I think we just have to give up the dream of flying being anything but hell. Get there. It's, it's yeah. like it's a public bus. You know, it's taking you where you need to go without yep. any bells and whistles. I have, yeah, and I have that red eye, which I'm, I have, it's been a long time, you know, get to town, drive home, bring my kids to school, and I go teach. Uh, <laughs> well, I'll be fine. <laughs> Hopefully it'll be all right. You'll know what it's like to be a college student. Yeah. When I was in college, I hated sleep. I just did. I was like, nope, sleep never. But I've made up for that. Yes. A lot of things change. Even like loudness. I was talking to my mom this morning about being able to tolerate loud places. <laughs> yeah. This actually is a good segue into our question. Yes. Because my I'm the sim I'm very similarly sensitive to sound. And I feel bad sometimes with my you know, the two boys are getting really big and they will wrestle and play and be wild in the house. And I and I hate to be constantly being like, shh, shh. But I also think that the living room is not, I, for me personally, the living room is like not the place for that. But we have a yard or their bedroom. And so, but Adam sometimes will say, they're just having fun, they're playing. But I, it's really hard for me when they're wrestling or hollering. Especially when the dads are involved. And it's always at 9 o'clock p.m. <laughs> yes, I know. I'm like, no, it's bedtime. Calm games. I'm going to throw out our question so we can jump right in because that's a, a great lead in. Our question today is, would you say your parenting styles differ from your spouse's slash how you were raised? And in what ways are they different? I would say this is not something that I've I'm consciously hyper aware of as far as Adam and I having different styles, except for when I'm telling them to be quiet <laughs> and he's kind of deaf because of his, you know, 25 years in rock and roll. And so <laughs> it isn't maybe as triggered by that. But for the most part, I have found that we align pretty well or in the sense that we are not, that is not a conflict necessarily where maybe in, you know, TV shows or even reality TV, you've seen that conflict between wanting one parent wanting to raise them perhaps religious or mm -hmm. um one parent um i don't know i i don't i wouldn't say i've noticed that in our relationships so so dramatically fundamentally different mm -hmm. viewpoints no i could probably talk about how we you know kind of come together or what we do but i don't think that we experience in that what about what about y'all so here's a, an interesting story that i think is really relevant um from a couple of weeks ago Claude and I were trying to help Atlas tie his shoes. Yeah. It's the same age, not, yeah. not there yet. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, you know, like I'm sitting down where, you know, we're working with him to try to whatever, figure it out. And he's like, well, I have shoes with Velcro. And I'm like, yeah, but you, this is a life skill that you're going to need, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then there was a moment where we were talking about how if our parents, I know that my dad would have said like, you gotta learn how to tie your shoes. If your shoes come undone, people are gonna make fun of you. You're, you they don't know how to tie your shoes. You're like, you know, you have to ask your teacher for help. And not in like, right. I'm terrorizing you, but just like a cute C, whatever. It's super benign, but my my immediate reaction is always like get away from the fear of other people's opinions. 
Yeah. We teach kids or we're taught as kids, not even consciously necessarily, that you should do things because if you don't, the world will not accept you. Something as simple as like, go take a shower. You don't want to be the stinky kid. I say this to my son all the time. Like, go take a sh- <laughs> you got to take a shower because you're the stinky kid and then like nobody wants to be around the stinky kid. Well, that's true. But you should take a shower because you want to take care of your body and you want to take yeah. care of yourself and you want to feel good and like feel confident. So I think those kinds of things we're we don't differ on, but we're learning how to do together because yeah. we just didn't – that wasn't really something that, you know, that was part of the consciousness necessarily when we were kids. And uh, just, yeah, just like instilling confidence and, and explaining that the reasons you learn things, the reasons you want to have these skills are for you, not for anybody else. Yes. And that's not to say that we don't teach him that it's important to be a part of the world and a part of a team and to respect people and that plays into it too. But it's way less about, well, you'll be shunned from society, you know, yeah. and more about, well, we do these things because we care about people around us or we care about ourselves. So that's one thing that stands out to me, not as a disagreement, but as something we're trying to be better at. Yeah, I love that. I, I have things that I'm trying to be better at that I have maybe like noticed that Adam will maybe say or but definitely my mom will say because of same thing of the generation before for a big thing for me is the body image because I struggled so much with that so when I hear even something like oh I ate too much I'm so full even something like that and and I that's something that I'm trying to get away from and just be like that was a good nourishing meal and I'm really grateful for it and not make it about like shaming ourselves for you know for eating at all because I feel like I will hear people say that regardless you know just as it's like a thing to say when you eat to maybe excuse eating For sure I, you know I don't know and so and then the body image thing and the the way we look and I and I I really had to push back and I think it's not just something that it's learned in the home but it's learned in the culture and I'll say you eat what you need for your body to feel good everyone has a different weight and there's nothing wrong with the different weights you know, and mm-hmm. so it's just like really, those are the kinds of things, just like tying a shoe <laughs> or, you know, like we have to reframe how we're, how we're approaching it as a family, as a culture. Recognizing diversity in every sense of the word and that that's not something to be feared. Yes. Um, yeah. These are things that are naturally occurring differences, different experiences. Some of us need two hours of sleep every night. Some yeah. of us need 10, you know, just the things that we need are different. And so the most important thing that I think as a parent to teach is being able to self-regulate and advocate. Yeah. What is specific to you? How much yes. sleep do you need? What do you like to eat that makes you feel energetic and healthy? You know, yeah. there's no one way to do life. Yeah. You know, they're going to be confronted with those things. Mm-hmm. So why not like start to build them up enough that they're not able to be permeated, you know, by those things later on. Yeah. And it's partly being permeated, but also even worst case scenario, I don't want that to be what consumes you or how you spend your precious energy or your, you know, like eat and be happy and enjoy and your body's going to look different from everyone else's anyway. And so whatever your body's, you know, whatever happens, you can be a happy, healthy, whole, you know, person and not spend your time worrying about that. There's better things to do. (laughs) But I think one thing that we are, Adam and I are aligned on that it is constantly 
a battle in our home is tech. And we've talked about this a lot on the show. And But I, I'm, we both feel strongly we don't do tech during the week. And that's just a constant <laughs> battle. And maybe I'm, I don't know that it's right or wrong or that I'm, you know, I'm not, and I don't have any problem with screen time. They do a lot of screen time on the weekend. And I'm not saying the parents shouldn't do it at all. I'm saying for us, I want them to have other experiences, like to be able to play the drums and the guitar, to be able to have spent the hours drawing that they otherwise might've been lured by in by technology because it's so, that's what it's designed for. And so again, no shame for, for screen time or using that in your home, just it's that is one of my biggest panics mm-hmm. yeah that parent wise you have 24 hours in a day so mm-hmm. if you're spending three of those on tech in some way which you know you're learning other skills it can it could be argued that you're True. learning yeah. certain things but Definitely. it is taking away from your ability to do really tactile things like you know playing an instrument or learning a language or just being outside or whatever it is we're definitely in a weird place here right now because we've been off of the iPad. He hasn't been asking for it. Like we're really past the detox phase. <laughs> and it's it's just remarkable to see the things that now he's interested in doing. For example, yeah. he's been, you know, playing piano since he was like three or four, but now he comes home and he practices and he wants to play. And he, you know, he gets home from piano class and goes right to the piano and he'll sit there for 45 <sighs> minutes, an hour and just practice all of the songs he knows and do his scales without me even having to ask him or put it on a schedule. And that wasn't, that wasn't happening, you know? Mm-hmm. And I, it was, it was making me a little crazy because I saw he had all of these passions and all of these interests, but they were really getting blocked. It was just a way to sort of not have to participate in certain mm-hmm. things he didn't want to participate in. And yeah, it's, it's really been a game changer. He does watch TV. You know, we have a TV. He'll watch YouTube on the TV or he'll watch a movie or shows or whatever. I'm okay before school. Like if he wakes up at 645 and watches TV for 20 minutes. When I say this, like that's what we're doing right now. Right. And none of us know. That's the hard thing because that's the, the difference between disagreeing on something based on how you were raised and both being thrust into the wild west where nobody has answers because we didn't even have that option when we were kids right that's true there are not enough long-term studies there's not enough research done over the course of someone's life you know there there aren't any control groups you can have passionately different viewpoints and perspectives on what's enough what's not enough what's too much because we've had i mean we've had fights about it in the past it's like well he's doing duolingo on the ipad Mm -hmm. or you know, watching videos about how to do something. And I'm like, well, I, that to me felt healthy or felt that felt okay because it was educational. But then there is another argument to that. Yep. Same. Asa will ask to use it. He'll ask to use it every night to do art hub for kids. Is it Uh great? Yeah. And, and it's so, I feel so torn because I want to say, sure, you're, but I, but I also, have this little suspicion you know that it's just like getting your hands on it you know and yes and, and they so, know they know the things that you'll be yeah. okay with <laughs> yeah oh I just want to read and I'm like okay well you can use the kindle <laughs> I know so uh, yeah that's probably the biggest thing that we struggle with but it feels pretty pretty seamless Solid. as far as like parenting styles 
I don't have one. Maybe that's why. Yeah, that's... <laughs> maybe that's why there's no conflict. I don't think I have a parenting style. I just kind of wing it. I feel the same. I, you know, I would say that I'm maybe in some ways more structured than my parents even were, but I'm not structured at all. If that makes sense. No, so. I totally. My mom's hippie. My mom, yeah, but you know, and um, our parents were busy growing up both of our parents sets of parents you know working and stuff and so yeah. we were latchkey kids our kids can't be latchkey isn't really a thing anymore yep so yeah. we have to be a little more structured I think the biggest difference and and it's not even like by choice but is my parents could be described as so not anxious <laughs> 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 too laid back a little negligent. <laughs> um, you know like if I would fall on the playground or something I would break a bone they'd be like well let's just see how it looks that yeah like let's just figure it out um whereas I think Claudio's family are they're more anxious about things and so that's been the one thing that he and I are very different on, but it's not by choice. It's just who we are as human beings. Oh, I totally, yeah. When you started talking about, I thought you were going to say, I didn't know you were going to compare, but mm-hmm. I am very much laid back because I'm one of seven. Yeah. My mom's kind of, it's a hippie and my dad's a teacher. So they were just comfortable with kids just kind of feeling it out. And so I've internalized that laid back. When Keaton was just a few weeks old, I was like, okay, let's go to eat. And Adam was, he's just not as familiar with babies either. And so I was like, let's go. And he was a little anxious, but we've just, with three, you know, if you just kind of- Yeah, it gets like less and less, I'm sure. Yeah, they just come out with us everywhere. When you have a big family, you've seen it all. So I think that's probably why my parents were not that Mm -hmm. reactive because they came from big families. And then growing up with 60 cousins running around, like kids everywhere. Mm, There was just always something, you know, and when it was a really big thing, then everybody rallies and yep. helps out. Otherwise, it's just a Tuesday. It doesn't matter yeah. that much. So you look to him to see if he's really hurt because he's looking to you to see how he should feel Ooh, about it. Yeah. So it's just kind of maintaining <laughs> that like low, it's okay, it's okay, let's just wait a second, see how we go. Um, I really don't want to project my own fear, even if I have it. And of course, yeah. I have fear, you know, and, and anxiety about things. I don't want that to play into who, how he reacts to things. I want him to just like know that he is safe and know his limits uh, when he's not, right? And like the situations that he should be worried in versus situations that are even saying like, be careful. You know, I've tried to get that in check. Claude and oh. I like are practicing not saying that when you don't need to say that. Oh, I've never even thought of that mm-hmm. before. Oh. Because we say it like, I'll say it when he's carrying a glass of water. <laughs> Like, be mindful that you don't spill. Try not yeah. to spill is one yeah. thing. But, like, be careful is – you don't have to be careful all the time. You can take risks. You can do things. I'm going to save that for times when you're, like, about to cross the street. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. Know. I like this. And I don't know if these are correct things. These I are just feel like it's interesting. I like that. I definitely project. I need to know why I'm doing it. I know I'm doing it because Keaton's 13 and I – because I felt – this might even be made up you know who knows what stories we tell ourselves but like because I grew up in such a small town in uh, rural Minnesota I felt that in the 90s I didn't I didn't know what directions life could even take I you know I didn't have like a, a kind of a broader scope necessarily but but partially be, probably because the internet wasn't around we didn't really even have it I'm in my house growing up so with my kids I'm I'm telling Keaton you can be anything you want to be, What? Do, but what is it? And how are we going to get there? 
And he's like, I'm 13. I don't know. But that's kind of my, my thing is like instilling in them this sense of the vast, the vastness of the world and the vastness of possibilities and opportunities. And I know I'm doing it and maybe I'm doing it consciously, but I don't know if that's good. See, I think those are the things that we underestimate as being pushy or whatever it is. Because at the end of the day, as long as you're not, you're providing your kids with like a safe home, you're providing them with food and kindness and love, they're generally going to do what they do. They're going to be who yeah. they're going to be. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So I, I think like sometimes people waste so much energy on the little things that are yeah. really not that big a deal in the long run. It's nurturing that idea those bigger ideologies and recognizing that childhood isn't a means to an end. You're not hurrying up and trying to get this kid ready for the the grown-up adult world. Shit's going to get real. So you have to do these things because eventually you're going to be an adult. No one's going to like make concessions for you, which is true in some ways, but kind of not. And childhood is, is a lifetime. Childhood is is its own complete real existence. And so, speaking to kids like they're important right now yeah and recognizing that you're capable of whatever you want to do right now and in the future and through your life yeah I don't know I don't know yeah that's a really good point and I like and I really like the what making the most childhood is definitely something that I talk about a lot that I talk to Adam about a lot because it's so important and and life-changing I mean it's and it's just now right it's the moment but I definitely think i focus on not just being but also becoming because I felt like I lacked that you know and you kind of try to make up for what you felt was lacking yeah in your life and but it's kind of like you said they'll still they're gonna do what they do but I want them to know that there's life beyond yeah did you so when you were a kid did you travel a lot what was your childhood like you were no no, no, there's actually, well, eventually my, I had seven brothers and sisters and my mom has seven brothers and sisters. And so just a huge family. We never traveled until my parents got divorced. And then my dad is a teacher. So we had summers off and we do road trips. Okay. That's that cool. was, yeah, that was kind of the extent of that. Um, DC, New York, all over the country, really Colorado, Wyoming. Um, so that was the, that was the travel. Road it's trips. amazing now, like just at, at, at like a baseline level is how different a childhood like our kids are going to be having oh I know <laughs> without even really trying <laughs> that's a part of it too where it's like the world doesn't have to feel so small yeah you know I think they're already a little more aware of how vast things are than than we were certainly you know like Claudio's family they didn't really travel at all when he was little they don't you know they don't love traveling so much mm-hmm. um and so I think when he started doing it for work, it was like, whoa, <laughs> like, holy moly. And it's it's really grown. It's changed with his worldview. I think he stopped putting limitations on himself because of that. You know, yeah. at some point it was just like, oh, I can really do whatever I want to do. Yeah, I don't know. I think that watching your parents do those things, because we can tell them whatever we want. We can tell our children yes, whatever we right. want. Right. You can tell and anyone whatever you want. Yeah. Out the other. <laughs> yeah. like when they're ready, maybe they'll listen to exactly. it at some point. But setting that example is a different story. So true. Actually, 
two things the limit the thing about like lifting the limitations maybe from your childhood is what I'm trying to do early like you said or because I felt like I had a lot and maybe I still do we all do have these certain limitations just because we created an ethos and we created defense mechanisms and we could to survive best in our specific family of origin and we you know so there's all these things from childhood that I think about in my own children but it's and so I that I try to be aware of you know, not imposing or not letting my, trying to help to lift the limitations. But at the same time, it's like you said, I definitely believe that no one can learn anything until they're ready. I, mm-hmm. I teach, I see it with my, <laughs> with my students <laughs> and I see it with my, and myself big time and in my relationship and with my family and friends. Like I, I probably heard things in school, for example, that would have been really useful for me in my writing or in my career I probably learned them, but I didn't hear them and I didn't internalize them until later down the line, maybe when I was ready, because there's a lot of times I say, I wish I would have learned this or I would. And, and it got to the point where I was like, I probably did because <laughs> I am telling these things to my students and someone probably told them to me, but I just wasn't ready. Yeah, you, you packed it away. In a yeah. Box or... Yeah. <laughs> or just tossed it out like in and out. And so I think that is that's just human nature. It is. It is. And it's frustrating. I understand where like my parents came from when they were like, take it from me. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that is one thing that Adam does a lot. He try. he really is like, I learned this. He's telling Keaton, you know, I learned this the hard way. And Keaton's like, uh, Claude does the same thing. I'm like, he doesn't care. (laughs) It's really endearing what you're trying to do here. And I get it. But that is so true. Yeah. And then when Adam does it, I'm like, he's right. He's obviously right. Or like, maybe not because we all learn, need to know different things. We don't even necessarily need to learn the same things the same way anyway. Yeah. So just imparting all this information and knowledge and wisdom that will be completely irrelevant when they literally are glued to computers in 10 years. Yeah. Or he, Keaton will be like, mom, I wasn't raised in the middle of nowhere in rural. Not it was. It's not the middle of nowhere. I actually love it. It's beautiful. I wasn't raised in rural Minnesota in the nineties. Okay. I understand how the world works. And I'll be like, but do you? <laughs> I can't wait to see. I mean, only time will tell how we're doing. I've definitely come to peace with the fact that I, as a person, I have limitations Mm -hmm. and I um, am not like mother of the year. I do not feel that I deserve that title. (laughs) I don't mind that I don't deserve that title. I have put up a lot of boundaries around what the culture says that mothers should do and be that I feel are insane or unhealthy or problematic and so if that's what makes a good mother, this cultural definition of, of mothering, then I would say I'm not a good mother. But I hope that by being a good person, I can be a better example for them. You are mother of the year. You're fantastic, <laughs> mom. Are you kidding me? You're throwing birthday parties. You're doing all the things. You're loading them up and giving them experiences. And I mean, it doesn't get better than that, truly. I'm like mm-hmm. letting them flourish and I mean the ability to shut out what the world is telling you you have to do because the world is also giving so much conflicting advice yeah every second of the day I read um, not to go off on a tangent while we're about to like wrap this up but (laughs) there was um, an article about how dads have fewer friendships something is changing in you know the world of of men where they have 
way fewer friendships, like solid friendships than they did 10 years ago. Mm. It was like 40% less, which is like a big, a big number. But being who I am, my gut reaction was maybe it's because now they're expected to do more at home. Whoa, that gave me goosebumps. <laughs> and it said something insane, like men used to have 10 close friends. Same. I don't feel like that's a yeah. standard thing for somebody to have 10 people on speed dial. Um, And I was just like, well, who would have time to nurture 10 intimate relationships with friends um and guess what it's people who had no other responsibilities at home or in their lives or with their children so i think as the culture of dad of what a father is has changed so much and now we have husbands who play like equal roles at home mm-hmm. um and with their kids of course they're gonna have fewer friends welcome um yeah so i, th- I thought that was interesting because everything that we see is like, oh my gosh, now there's like a war on men's friendships. But it's <laughs> it's a result of something else that's been screwed up for so long. So I think just advice and taking uh, articles and taking life with a grain of salt and saying, you know what, this is what's working for me. It feels right in my gut. Everybody's okay. Everybody's healthy. We all, including the parents, are feeling good. Then you know you're doing something right. Yeah, I love that article. That is, I love that take. It's really interesting. And, you know, and that's something like Jezebel, I feel like, or Miss Magazine would cover the feed, you know, the feedback kind of you're seeing the headline and then you're writing this think piece that you just said. So good idea. I'm reading this book called Already, I'm listening to, it's called Already Free by Bruce Tift. And it's a comparative analysis, Buddhism and um, psychotherapy. But it's just like what you said, it's, it's kind of this levity. He's in one of his examples of an exercise is what if you tell yourself there's nothing wrong with you and that you have no problems? What would that look like? What if you just did it? And then he says, people sometimes are kind of confused or they're, they're saying, no, I could never do that. But he's saying like, what if you just lightened up, you know, lightened up a little and looked at your life and you said, I'm not a problem and, and I don't have problems. And now obviously some, there are, you know, there are some problems, but according to Buddhism, even if you're, you know, unwell, or if there are other conditions that don't meet happiness, that you just accept them and you say that that's what's reality. And so that's okay right now. And so it just reminded me of what you just said about, you know, that everything can, it's okay. It's, it's okay. okay. It's going to, everything's, there are things that are happening and it's all going to be all right. Yeah, your mind is really powerful. Mm-hmm. And telling yourself that it's okay sometimes is all you need to do. One of the things in that uh, already free that kind of blew my mind and made me think about the Real Housewives <laughs> was <laughs> it part of comes part, back to the Real Housewives. Housewives. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, part of his theory is why do we love these dramas in our life? Why do we continue to tell these stories that create this tension? Whether they're true or not, uh, he says, you know, as a therapist, they're often less reality than sensory reality. They're actually narrative reality, a story, right? And so he's saying it's because we love drama. It's interesting to watch. Yes. I mean, thinking about this podcast even, right? I was thinking about what it must be like to be like a listener. I mean, I'm a listener of many podcasts, so I know what it's like. 
I am actually a listener. <laughs> there is a dramatization to everything. I'm not like wasting sleep over here thinking about 90% of the things that we talk about. It's it's like an observation that turns into a story tell. Yeah. That's what humans do. We go to dinner and mm-hmm. we tell each other stories about our week, things that are going on. It's so innate in us. You know, obviously the juicier, the better, like yeah, the right. more dramatic yeah. and <laughs> gossip filled. People love that. But even just the context of asking your partner, like, what'd you do today? They're not going to be like, I went on a rocket ship and I saw Mars. It was incredible. And they're going to be like, I have, I had a sandwich. And, you know, we're fascinated with rocket ships to Mars. Yeah. <laughs> I like the sandwich story better, honestly. Yeah. Uh, no, it's like we have experiences and our experiences are more or less neutral in the sense that they're just happening. And then sometimes, and then we we ascribe commentary. So the commentary yes. is, is potentially positive or aggressively negative or, and, and there are things that are not as positive, obviously that in our cultural language, but all, all things are just experiences at their base. That's kind of something it was made me think about, you know, consciously talking about parenting and its ups and downs and what we're doing is really pulling out the commentary of just regular occurrences. And sometimes you might, you know, contradict an idea you had last week, but (laughs) figuring it out together. Yeah, I do feel that a a lot of the time, specifically with having a partner on the road or away from home, Mm -hmm. it's the partner who's home who gets Mm -hmm. to have the say. That's true. You know, because you're the one consistently parenting through those moments. And if you really greatly disagree with your partner about your how you're raising your kids. I'm sorry, because that sucks. Yeah, I'm sorry. If I, I would, I don't know any advice, but I think that like me not necessarily ascribing to knowing that I, what I'm doing is right. <laughs> Guess who does? Yeah. And also kind of maybe being open to see what their instincts or what you know what Adam's instincts or what your partner's instincts. I I would have probably had a harder time with someone trying to do something traditionally, mm-hmm. traditionally, like what they were taught. Like we had to do this the way I, w- I was taught. Yes. They, that, I probably would have struggled with that. Um, For me, the only deal breaker was ever like authoritarian yeah. vibes. I don't like that. I don't like this idea of punishment. I don't like this idea of um, suppressing like natural child's impulses or inability to regulate or communicate properly, whatever it is, with punishment. You know, it's mm. like they're doing their best to be mm. human. And yeah. that would have been a, a, a very hard thing, I think, to find common ground yeah. on. But I do feel like there are plenty of people who probably are experiencing that, where somebody's, like, got more of a militant mm-hmm. parenting style, and the other one is maybe thought that they had subscribed to that prior right. to having kids. And then, And then here's the thing, too, is – you have a lot of ideas about how to be a parent and then you are one and a lot of that shit goes <laughs> out the me. window. <laughs> oh, that was me, 100%. I was like, actually, our kids are going to be hippies and they're never going to wear shoes yeah. and there's going to be no TV. And <laughs> yeah. We're moving to Paris so he oh, can have too. salmon in the daycare, yeah. you know, what's the one bringing up baby or whatever it is. Salmon in the daycare. Yeah, in the crutch. And then you just do. So yeah. I, you know, I feel like if you're, if you're in that situation, yeah, involve a third party get somebody yeah. to mediate, somebody to like help you find commonality. Because you have to do it either way, together or separate. Yes. You're exactly. certain to both parents. So 
Hopefully, and honestly, yeah. if you're doing it separately, you need that third party even more. So, mm-hmm. well, <laughs> but none of us know what we're doing. We're all doing our best. Everything's neutral. Yeah. Let's try to raise kids who like each other and are kind to each other. And oh well, yeah. Another thing, that book already free is the, the final thing is like always lean into unconditional kindness. It's lovely. It's number one. That's all mm-hmm. that really matters. Well, okay. Well, keep submitting your questions. This was a good one. And we will answer them. Maybe in a timely fashion. Maybe it takes six months. Um, Maybe we'll circle around your question and answer five other questions. (laughs) And if there's something you want to hear us talk about or a guest you want to see on the show, let us know. Let them know. Yes. Yeah, let them know too. For sure. Tag them relentlessly. (laughs) Until you get a restraining order. (laughs) No, I'm kidding. Don't do that. All right. Well, I'll see you soon. Bye.